Hi, Gary Stearman. Today we're going to talk about angels. Did you ever wonder what an angel looks like? If you've ever wondered what an angel looks like and you really uh, don't know, I'm sitting next to someone who has made a big study of this. His name is Nathan Jones. And Nathan, introduce yourself. Oh, it's good to be on again, Gary. Thank you so much. Good to have you here. Well, my name is Nathan Jones. I'm on the evangelism team with Lamb and Lion Ministries. Uh Uh, You're probably familiar with our television program, Christ in Prophecy, with Dr. David Reagan. I'm the co-host of that program. And folks can check us out on our website at ChristinProphecy.org. There, I put a wealth of information that our ministry produces, like yours does, in the hopes of getting people excited about the soon return of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're all about. I'm holding Nathan's book, The Mighty Angels of Revelation, and uh, we've done another program with him already. We've talked about angels, angels, angels. There's more there than you ever thought. But to start today's program, I wanted to ask Nathan, uh, what is an angel look like? Have you ever really thought about that? Well, it's amazing. If you ask most Americans uh, what angels look like, they'll explain these fat little babies in diapers holding little bows and arrows, especially around Valentine's Day. Or they'll tell you about Clarence, some kind of middle-aged doofus type fellow who's a comedian and he's trying to earn his wings. Or, you know, they'll go to movies where he's just giant red half dragon like guy who's marching around or just all these different concepts that we get from books. Uh, A lot of times for me growing up is, is I had this book from the 50s and it showed angels as blonde haired, tall, they're all white guys. They wore togas. They had some kind of metal band that floated over their head. They had these beautiful dove-like wings, but they all look almost like clones of each other. And I grew up with this kind of Americana-type look about what angels are. And I find that when you talk about angels with people, instead of going to the Bible, we base it on pop culture. And when we base anything on pop culture, of course, we're not going to get the real picture. Well, I'm looking at page 11, just right up front in the mighty angels of Revelation. There's a picture here of the angel of the Lord. Now, uh, there are etchings all the way through this book. Uh, For example, over here on page 107, there is the seraphim. And wow, your artist's conception of a seraph uh, is really challenging. But let's go back to to page 11, the angel of the Lord. Uh, How did you come up with that particular uh, idea? Okay. Well, there's 72 angels or groups of angels found in the book of Revelation. So of the 284 references in the Bible to angels, you've got a huge amount of angels in the book of Revelation. As we discussed, Revelation means to unveil. So we get to see God working through the angels in the background. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to do just what you said, break that concept that we all have, that angels are all like Star Wars clone troopers. You know, they all look alike. There's no differences in all. And so what I did is, as Vic Batista, who's a pastor friend of mine, and I taught through the Mighty Angels of Revelation series on our podcast, The Truth Will Set You Free, uh, and then compiled it into a book, we divided it into 12 sections. So we took the 72 angels, or groups of angels, and put them as the book of Revelation teaches. We start with the revealing angel, who in Revelation 1.1 is John the Apostle's companion who takes Mm -hmm. him through the story. Uh And uh, so in each of the beginning sections, I hired an illustrator. Uh, Gary, I I can 
draw a stick figure for the life of me. So I found a, a wonderful woman, Shalise Stevens, who's a, a art teacher. She's got a master's in painting. Mm-hmm. And what we did is uh, I commissioned her to draw 12 angels. And each of the illustrations would be based on references to angels found in the book of Revelation. We'd go back and forth with some uh-huh. ideas. But uh, it was really, we tried as close as possible to get as the Bible describes. describes. For instance, uh, you said mentioned the angels of the Lord. Now, let me read this to you. This is Revelation chapter 1. John is exiled on, onto the island of Patmos. He's 97 years old. He's mm-hmm. a prisoner. And then Jesus Christ comes back, but not as he remembers during the first coming. It says, One like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like the flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And this is what John says, verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell as at his feet as if dead. So what he was seeing here, he was seeing Jesus Christ yes. in his true glory coming down to him. And so in the Old Testament, most people think, well, Jesus just kind of started as a baby and moved forward. But you know, Jesus, the Son of God, he's always been. He's eternal. Right. And in the Old Testament, he was called the angel of the Lord. So I went with the title, the angel of the Lord, because that's how Revelation 1 describes him. And if, if you could put the picture up and we could see here, we had Jesus with the crown, with his eyes glowing. He's got the lampstands around him, which represent the seven churches. He's got the seven stars. Each star is an angel who's a guardian over each of those churches. He's riding this majestic white horse, this war charger that he's going to ride back to this earth at his second coming. Yeah, and let me just interject. I had a thought as you were talking that the angels are called stars very often in Scripture, and they are spoken of as being myriad in quantity, lots and lots of stars. And I thought to myself a long time ago, uh, you know, we call those people in Hollywood stars. Yeah. I wonder where that idea came from. I think it came from the Bible because the angels are called stars. Right. And except they they outclass uh, Hollywood stars by, (laughs) uh, let's say, a whole lot. Absolutely, they do. Now, I make I make a reference in here that the angel of Lord is not an angel. It is Jesus Christ Himself. Now, angel Malik in the Hebrew, Angelos in, in the Greek, in the New Testament means messenger. So there are some that I had to address as messengers of God, right. angels of God, that aren't necessarily angels. And that's the angel of the Lord, the sevenfold spirit, or the seven spirits, which is the Holy Spirit who stands before the throne of God. The apostle John, he wasn't an angel but he worked as a messenger. So I, I had to, in the book, make sure we knew which angels were, were serving as messengers, but not of the celestial class. As you were uh, reading a moment ago, <clears throat> I, I turned to Daniel chapter 10, verse 5, and Daniel says, Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with the fine gold of Uphaz, and his body uh, was like beryl, and his face like lightning. And his eyes like lamps of fire, his arms and his feet colored a polished brass, and it goes on and on and on, and his voice sounded like the sound of many waters. Yes. And I'm thinking, wow, how do you visualize that? The heavenly messenger. A lot of people think that's the pre-incarnate Christ who visited Daniel. It was an angel, for, mm-hmm. su- for sure, but nothing like we, we have ever experienced in our whole life. It's interesting how angels come to man 
as disguised as humans. I use the word disguised lightly here. But we look, for instance, when Jesus Christ as the angel of the Lord came to Abraham, he brought two other angels with him who they just seemed like normal people. But when those angels went to take Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah, they were blinded. They showed their powers. We see these angels before right. the Garden of Eden with the flaming swords. We we through the book of Revelation we'll get into more, but there's they don't fit any. There's there's some that look like animals and some that look like acts of nature. Some are giants, uh some look human, some look like animals. There's such a variety, and that's really what, what struck me is when people think that angels are all just these you know, these white guys that hang out with wings and all. That's another thing. Wings, Gary, as you see that the seraphim have six wings. And we, uh, Shalise drew a picture of one of the seraphims there. They have six wings all covered in eyes. And each of the four that are described have a different face. One an ox, one a man, one an eagle, and one a lion. The cherubim, which carry the throne of God, have four faces and only four wings. And then there's other angels that you don't hear anything about wings. So it could be that most... We all picture generally angels having wings, but those are the only two that are really described. There's the vulture angel who flies and yells, whoa, 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 before they get to the bold judgments. That one's got wings. And you hear about the wind angels and their wings and and stopping the wind around the earth. So there are some that have wings, but some that do not. And all of this is real. In fact, when I talk to people about the Bible, one of the main problems I have is making them believe that what I'm reading is actually real. They, mm-hmm. There's a tendency to put Bible stories over here somewhere like, well, that could be real or maybe not. But it is. It's real. And you have you have to wrap your mind around, if you will, alien concepts, things that you're not used to thinking about, right? Oh, absolutely. And that's why revelation means unveiling. The veil is taken away. We're seeing the spirit world all throughout the Bible, we hear about the God's mighty angels fighting Satan and his demons in the background. Uh, Satan's empire over this earth is through the principalities and powers of this earth. Uh, the great evils that we see in the world are demonically backed. You wouldn't doubt that in almost every government there are demonic forces mm-hmm. either possessing yeah. or influencing in the background. God's angels are, are working to fight that. And you learn too as, as you go through the book of Revelation that God's running the universe through his angels. He's using angels to control the weather and the elements. So all this fear of global warming and climate change, well, God's got the weather under control. You know, he's, he's got our lives being watched. We read about guardian angels, especially for guarding over children, how angels uh, nourish. So in the book, not only do I, I go to the book of Revelation, but I took a number of stories that people have shared that their experience is how angels are still active in this day and age, mm-hmm. but we tend to see them as humans. And Frankly, Gary, I think if we were like Elisha's servant who had his eyes open and he could see the armies surrounding the city, that our, our brains might pop. Because if we saw that kind of wonder all the time, it would be terrifying. It would be. <clears throat> I think back to uh, a very little-known biblical passage uh, in the life of Samson where an angel, uh, which was a strange kind of angel, visited Samson's parents and said, your son is going to save Israel, and your son's going to do all these things. And, and they were frightened, they were really frightened by the appearance of this angel. <clears throat> but they were also awestruck, and they were moved by the power of God. But you try as you will, it's really hard to imagine this angel with multiple wings that went through the ceiling of their home when he departed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you, and you think about that, was that really real? 
Well, yes, I guess it was. <clears throat> we underestimate angels too because their power is unbelievable. Clearly not as strong as God, but take for instance the seven bold judgment angels, the last of the 21 judgments that God pours out in the earth. We're talking about world-shattering power, yeah. enough to destroy the waters of the world, both fresh and, and salt. Uh, we're talking about how they're, they block out the sun's light. We're talking about scorching men. We're talking about demons that are released. Demons so terrible that if they're on this earth, they destroy them. But God will release them. They're, they look like locusts. They're led by a general named Abaddon. He has four generals who ride these chimera looking like steeds. And they will go around the world and torment people for five months and others will kill people. And just, I think in our modern age, Satan works best by by making it seem that it's all fantasy, it's all like Lord of the Rings or something, and we take it for granted. But there is a world system that's Satan run, and it's going behind the scenes. And think of the people in that day who, who are not faithful. <clears throat> what are they going to imagine when they begin to see bizarre creatures? In their mind, seeds have been planted today by today's science fiction. People have weird stories and strange... Uh, computer-generated imagery, you know, sci-fi and all that, they're going to say to themselves, wow, sci-fi was, was real, and it's here. Uh, when you read about the Antichrist and his charismatic capabilities and the fact that he deceives people by appearing that he's risen from the dead, to do these things that we say, oh, well, that's just a superhero from right. Marvel or DC or something. Yeah. I mean, it's believable now. Our, our brains have been conditioned to accept fantasy as reality. And it's actually, a, as you know, a scary concept that many people today are really confused. They can't distinguish between right. fantasy reality. So when these supernatural things start happening after the rapture of the church, well, one, they can explain the rapture way. Uh, the New Agers, for instance, have been teaching a long time that when Maitreya comes and the Christians are taking us off this earth, that's a good thing because then humanity can evolve. So we read about after the rapture, this great deception that comes on people, a delusion, and people will choose to believe the lie. They'll believe whatever the Antichrist tells them, and it's demonic in origin. And that makes your book, <clears throat> excuse me, very timely because uh, the mighty angels of Revelation really talks about things that would be tough to believe if you didn't approach them systematically. Systematic study of the Bible is yes. uh, absolutely necessary. Absolutely. So what it's not kind of two books in one. I, there's 400 pages, so sometimes people say 400 pages, but you get a whole study in angelology. You do. But you get a whole study in the book of Revelation, too. So I let the book of Revelation tell the story. But in each section, I like to start it with a, a, not, a, not a fictional story of John as he's going through and seeing these events, as he's led by the revealing angel. Of course, like you said, there's an there's a illustration yeah. to go with it to help the reader understand uh, uh, some readers prefer more fiction than nonfiction, but once we're past the, the not fiction, we get right into the nonfiction. What does Revelation teach verse by verse? What does Revelation teach about these angels? And you get through the 72 angels by the time you get to the very end of the book of Revelation. Now, I believe you have 12 pictures, the artist conceptions of angels. For 12 <clears> sections, <throat> yes. And I'm looking at page 107. You've never seen anything like this seraph. Uh, the seraphim. And where do we meet the seraphim in the Bible? In Revelation chapter 4 or 5, the Apostle John is taken off of Patmos where he's exiled up to heaven and he sees the throne of God. And before the throne are these four magnificent, what's called living creatures. They're angels of a higher class, a, a totally different. Angels are different classes. They're also ranked militarily. You've got the archangels and all the way down to the servant type angels. The demons are 
likewise categorized in the same way. You know, the that's ser- interesting. If I could just interrupt, sure, sure. the demons are, are uh, given <clears throat> by Paul as four categories, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and heavenly places. Yes. So they're not all, the demons are not all the same. There are, there are categories of demons, which are fallen ones. So it makes sense that they fell from a, a similar world. Absolutely. Well, they were angels. They were just fallen. When they fell, yeah. God, uh, Jesus explained how they were disembodied and they float around looking for that which they can possess, both human and animal. That's one class. The others were so terrible, they were put into the bottomless pit and there they wait with their general Abaddon until it's released during so, the tribulation. Angels sitting in a bottomless pit. <clears throat> what does that sound like? It sounds like an episode of Doctor Who or something. <laughs> You've got these crazy yeah. creatures down there under the earth wanting to get out so they can attack men and get even. And that's a, 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 a sci-fi theme that we see over <clears throat> and over and over again. Meaning that I think that science fiction as we know it today is kind of a cheap ripoff of biblical reality. Well, everything we write today is based on stories of old. It follows the same story, the hero pattern, and the Bible is the template for it. It's, it's mankind has fallen and they need to be redeemed. We have a selfless Savior who dies for our sins and provides salvation and then finally defeats the, the enemy and then brings the, the people into the eternal state. And it seems like most of the sci-fi, and I love sci-fi so I don't want to knock it or anything, but, but it's all based on stories that come a lot of it out of the Bible. Absolutely. Biblical, biblical template. Absolutely. And, and when you look at these artists' conceptions of angels uh, uh, in Nathan's book, uh, the first thing that comes to your mind is supernatural creatures. Wow. I never really gave them any reality. I never, you know, I fleshed them out so that you can actually see what they are. I, I think that's a great idea. Well, thanks to Shalish, I mean, her ability to take what the Bible said and try to flesh out what they could look like. She would tell me that her favorite one is the sun angel. This is the angel that comes out of the sun like it's on fire Uh and it calls the vultures and the carrion birds of the world to gather together before Armageddon. And so she drew him on fire. I mean, here's not an angel who looks like a mortal. He looks like a flame and the, the vultures come to him and the angel's talking to the vulture and saying, go gather, prepare for the feast it's one of those ironies in, in the book of Revelation is God's gathering the cleanup crew before Jesus even comes and defeats the enemies. Jesus' victory is that assured. Hmm. If you can bring reality to the Bible, that is just bring it a step closer so that your kids will listen to it and say, wow, that, is that real, mom and dad? Yes, it is real, and here's why. <laughs> and, and that's what you've done here, and I really think it's a great idea. Well, praise the Lord. Again, the angels are just imaginations, but I tried as much as possible to base them on exactly what the Bible said. Yeah. For instance, the jailer angel, it, it's wonderful. When Jesus Christ returns, he's going to sentence Satan to the, that very bottomless pit that all those demons came out of, and there he will keep him for a thousand years. And Jesus actually has a jailer angel whose job is to, to guard the gate into this bottomless pit. We're not talking about spiritual or ethereal. There's an mm. actual bottomless pit where, where these demons and eventually Satan will be kept. There's executioner angels that are meant to be like God's bailiffs at the great white throne judgment at the end of the millennial kingdom where God resurrects all those out of Hades who had rejected him, judge them and wow. send them to the lake of fire. There are angels involved in the execution process too. You know, pardon me, but if you really think about that, that puts fear in your heart. 
they're really executioner angels and and guards and and a prison and all there's some really bad stuff the which of course is is the outgrowth of sin ages yes. ago and the lord is trying to clean up that whole problem and and that's where we find ourselves today but the the point is this, and sometimes I struggle with this. I'll have to tell you, okay. as a preacher for, for many, many years okay. in the pulpit, I struggled with making all of this real to the congregation. No, 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 this is not imaginary. This is the real thing in Scripture. And your tendency is to let your mind wander. Oh, it's, it's just somebody's conception. No, it's not. It's real. And it's actually going to happen. Well, we've got the Word of God telling us this. we got God who created the angels just like He created humanity telling the story. What I love about, about the Bible, it's proleptic in nature. In other words, it speaks about Bible prophecy as it's already happened. Because yeah. for God, human history is done. He's already at the end of it. He knows how it's going to lay out. It's done for Him. For us, in this point in the timeline, it's still future for us. But for Jesus Christ, he's already claimed his victory. His kingdom is set. Satan is defeated. And that should bring us great hope as Revelation 1-3 promises that if you study the book of Revelation and you take it to heart, that it is a great blessing because it tells you the main theme. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. He really does. And the idea of our Savior in, in a glorified state is so amazing because we we customarily think of him walking in sandals uh, you know, up and down yes. the road from Nazareth to Jerusalem and be out in the Galilee preaching and and uh, and we just think of a man and a human but this is something else entirely this this human is going to take us to a new level and I think we need to get our minds at that level and I I think your book is really going to help I really hope so because that's something I think we all as humans and limited we suffer from is we put God in a box and we only see Jesus as some baby or some guy, some poor emaciated guy dying on the cross. Maybe he's walking around in sandals looking like some kind of beach bum. We don't see God as he really is and Revelation explains what Jesus really looks like. There in Revelation 1 when he returns he says he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end. The power that Jesus has is unbelievable for all of Satan's destruction and capabilities yeah. he has. Jesus defeats them just by speaking. It's amazing. I think it should help elevate Jesus Christ in our minds much higher. And I think that's, that's the real fruit of, the, of this book. It's called The Mighty Angels of Revelation and uh, the author is Nathan Jones. And uh, it's exciting. That is to say <clears throat> what I find exciting is making things real so that people can really believe them. And that's always the challenge when you're teaching the Bible. You've got to make it real. Absolutely. Well, what's neat too is this same story. My parents had been saved from a car accident by an angel on a motorcycle. I have a story. I added a 73rd angel at the very end, a bonus angel. Ah. This biker angel, as I call it, showed up and helped this woman who broke down in the, the middle of a Pasadena highway. And yeah, I read that. That's... Yeah. I was tell, tell us that story, but just briefly. Oh, well, this woman had broken down in the middle of Pasadena, rush hour traffic raging yeah. around her. She's so worried someone's going to plow into her. This motorcycle pulls up and she puts up her window. She's scared. This biker dude, you know, how they can kind of have this image. But he just gets off his bike, walks around the front, messes with her car. It starts right up, comes back around to her and says, don't judge a book by its cover, points up to heaven and rides off. 
And I, I was talking with Casper McLeod and his co-host of his show, Spiritual Encounters, told me a story where she had in a very similar experience. This biker showed up, helped out. Something that shouldn't have been able to be fixed by fiddling was fixed, and off he rode again. So I guess God has one of his angels at least as a big Harley enthusiast. I've learned one thing from Nathan. <laughs> the angels love Harleys. They must. Uh, they must. <laughs> they, <laughs> and Stearmans, too. They, <laughs> they do. I, they do indeed. <clears throat> I don't think I'd be here without their help, quite frankly. <clears throat> the mighty angels of Revelation. Uh, yours for a gift of $25 free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Uh, go to prophecywatchers.tv. Scroll down the online bookstore. You're going to find Nathan Jones, the name of the author. And uh, you're going to find the mighty angels. You can order it uh, online. Your gift of $25, again, free shipping anywhere in the U.S., and we also uh, have a little addition here. I have three DVDs, Angels, Parts 1, 2, and 3. Uh, it's a three-DVD set uh, done by Chuck Missler uh, uh, three or four years ago, I think. And uh, it talks about <clears throat> the mighty angels in a slightly different context. The angelic realm, the invisible war, and the denizens of the metacosm, as Chuck puts it. And uh, what is the metacosm? Well, that's the place they live. And you'd like to know more about that, I'm sure. For your gift of $60, free shipping anywhere in the United States uh, will include uh, those three uh, DVDs with the mighty angels of Revelation. Now, we have uh, three or four minutes left. How would you like to round up this discussion today? Because I find all this very exciting. That is to say, uh, I'm going to be living there for eternity. And quite frankly, it's just a few years away. For all of us, I may be a little closer than you are. <laughs> Who knows? The rapture could happen. You never know how you're going to die. Right? You just never know. And the rapture could come before we finish this program. So I hope so. How would you uh, how would you like to uh, to conclude? Because this uh, this I think ministers to people who who whose faith may be flagging a bit. Well, it's amazing since uh, putting this book up out out there how it's opened up a whole different audience than the normal folks that watch Bible prophecy. As you know, this interest in angels comes from a very uh, large secular audience is really interested in angels and. This is some area that we need to be very careful of as Christians is not to get too much into the study of demons or demonology. Right. It can suck you in. It can, it can really hurt your life. You can start getting spiritually afflicted. And it's very dangerous to get into that. And we are need to be equipped with the gospel. And so the book ends with my uh, pastor friend Vic Batista giving a gospel message. So if anything I want people to get out of there is that there is a real spiritual war. We as Christians will be raptured before the tribulation, so don't fear that. But you need to get right with Jesus Christ. You need to give your life to Him and get saved. You know, there's another thing as we uh, uh, come to the end of our time today. Uh, angels are often portrayed in the media as kind of secularized good folks that are just around doing good yes. deeds and so or forth. Or there are people so, who ascend to angelhood, which is totally... Totally wrong. Totally wrong. And, and your view is the scriptural view of angels. It should and, be the only view, hopefully. Yeah, but there are kind of secularized views of angels. But angels are way more than that. Absolutely. They, they operate according to a set of physical and spiritual rules that are way over our heads. And yet, in the Old Testament, they were called the sons of God. But after Jesus died and we inherited 
salvation, we became heirs with Jesus Christ. We were then called the sons of God. So even though the angels are more powerful in the end story, mankind is then put in position over angels, and that's what Satan hates. Wow, we're going to be, if you will, higher than the angels, if you can imagine such a thing. We are the children of God, yes. Well, very interesting conversation. Uh, And there's way more to it than we've had time to go into. The book, The Mighty Angels of Revelation by Nathan Jones. And uh, you're going to have to come again. I'm going to have to read this again because this is fascinating. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Have a great uh, time and, uh, and say hi to everybody in Dallas. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. I'm Gary Stearman. Hey, keep watching. We are...